I do want to say to our fathers again, happy Father's Day. Man, I, when I saw that picture up there again, it just made me miss my father. He, he, uh, gosh, uh, my wife was pregnant with Laura, I think, when my father was killed in a plane crash. He was a private pilot, just kind of a fluke accident. And, uh, and he just went to heaven in a hurry. And uh, when I see those pictures and then, you know, so I have so many things that I wish would have, could have, would, you know, should have, would have, could have. And I know some of you already lost your fathers. Uh, and I know that Mother's Day, Father's Day can be kind of bittersweet, but you, you glean from the good times and it's good to have good memories. And I have that with my father uh, and his latter years. Uh, he died at a relatively young age. I think he's 52 uh, and, uh, so, uh, but I have good memories. It, not all of them are great, but hey, I have some good, good positive memories of the latter years of his life, uh, where he made a real commitment to Christ and began to read the word and go to church and, and, uh, just honored God in the latter years of his life. What a blessing. And, uh, I have, I've had this, this memory of him and I've been, I've been trying to regain this in my heart. This has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach, but I just thought I'd tell you. Uh, he went down, we went down, I lived in Red Oak, Texas, which is in Ellis County, south of Dallas. And it was a little podunk place then. Now it's pretty big. But, uh, uh, when I got, four, I think when, I don't know what the laws are now. When I turned 14, you could, you could get a motorcycle license for anything under a hundred cc's. I think that's correct. I don't know if that's different now. So when I turned 14, my father took me down and he never bought me anything, but he would help me with things. We were, we were poor as dirt in the early years. I didn't really realize that. They, they did our best to help us not, uh, know we were poor, but we were pretty poor. Uh, and, uh, one time the preacher brought my, brought uh, us groceries, uh, out in the country and he tried to deliver groceries and, and my, our dog that ace the killer attack dog, uh, snuck up behind him and, uh, he was not, ha- he didn't like preachers showing up, I guess, but, uh, we were, no, we were pretty poor, but my dad took me to the Honda shop on, uh, Jefferson Avenue in Oak Cliff, the Honda Motors, and helped me purchase my first Honda 100 SL at Candy Apple Green. And uh, I've been searching for one of, you know, I paid $635 for it. I, I, my payment was $32 a month for the rest of my natural life. And here about two years ago, I started searching for one just like it. Uh, and they're hard to find. I found a guy who redoes them and I said, okay, if I found one and you made it back to new condition, what would it cost me? How about $7,000? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had my $638 uh, SL100. I don't know where it is today, but I'm trying to relive that moment with my father, uh, you know, and just go back to those moments. I don't know if we'll ever be able to do that or not, but uh, I just got to thinking about him <clears throat> and all the fun things we've done together. And so it's a happy Father's Day. Everybody say happy Father's Day. This morning, I want to share, it's not necessarily a Father's Day message. It'll certainly work for fathers, but all of you are more than welcome to join in. We're working it out in the book of Ephesians. Turn to the book of Ephesians with me and let's keep working it out. Yeah, this summer, we're, we're doing, we're finding spiritual exercises from the book of Ephesians. And so let's jump back in today and I'll try to get you out, uh, before or somewhere close to 12. I think I can do it. Last week, we worked out with the first exercise. It was the exercise of knowing. Everyone say the exercise of knowing. You see, the Ephesians church, uh, they were living far beneath their potential and their position that Christ had for them to live in. Now, catch this. 
He told them, hey, I'm seated with Christ. In fact, the first uh, verse 21, it says about Jesus that he's, he's uh, verse 20 and 21, that, he, that God seated him at the right hand, his right hand in heavenly places. This is where Jesus is. Far above all principality and power, might and dominion and every name that is named. Now, and, and then he goes in Ephesians chapter 2 and look what he says in verse 6. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. And so here's where God says we are, but most of us don't live there. We live down here. And the Ephesians church were way, were living way beneath uh, their potential in Christ. And so uh, Paul the apostle showed up and he said, listen, what you need to know is some things about who you are and your identity in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. That's the secret, finding your new identity in him. Your identity can't be in your past. Your identity can't be in, in, in even the culture of your day. Your identity as a Christian has to be rooted in who he is and who you are because of who he is. And so when you read Ephesians, and I've encouraged you to just devour the book of Ephesians this summer. Hey, don't, don't take this lightly. Read the book of Ephesians. Study the book of Ephesians. Embrace the messages that you learn and that, that'll it speak to you. And I promise you they will speak to you. Teenagers alike. Get into this book and let's grow together. Let's work it out. Everybody say work it out. Paul showed up and he, in this letter and he said, man, you got to know some things. And the first, uh, really the first three chapters, he defines who we are the and what we have as a, as a beneficiary. The first, I think first two or three verses, he said, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Most people don't get a hold of the blessings of God that are in heavenly places because they're down in the basement digging holes. Come on now. It's time to step it up. Everybody say, step it up. And so they were living far beneath their potential. And the reason was, was just simply a lack of knowledge. They did not know. How many of you know, if you don't know some things, you can't, you can't uh, acquire things. If you don't know, uh, you know, how to do the things that you need to do in your business, you're going to get fired and you're not going to get a paycheck. It's a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And we learned last week in our home, uh, in-home family workout that there's, there's two kinds of knowledge, head knowledge and heart knowledge. And we need some heart knowledge about who God is and who we are in Him. Everybody say, work it out. See, the more you know, the more you grow. Tell your neighbor, the more you know, the more you grow. And if you don't know, you won't grow. And that's why a lot of people are stunted spiritually. They got, you know, they're smiling on the outside, but inside they're all lost. They just, oh man, which way do I go? Which way do I go? Hey, it's time to get to know some things that God has for us and who we are in Christ. Now this morning, here we go. It's the exercise of sitting. Somebody said, now I'm liking that exercise. Man, that sounds awesome. For you more docile folks, you can work it out sitting. Well, we're not talking about physical exercise. Hey, what, what did our memory verse say? Bodily exercise profits a little, but the exercise of godliness profits you in what? How many areas? Somebody saying all things. So when you work it out spiritually, it impacts every area of your life. I believe, listen to me, everybody look up. I believe when you get strong spiritually, it'll make you strong physically. Uh, because listen, we've talked about this before. Sickness and infirmity many times is, is allowed into our body because we don't have a spiritual guard up. I'm not saying all sickness is because of sin, 
But I'm telling you, if you, if you let your spiritual guard down, it affects every area of your life. Could it get a better? Amen. Now, where do we get this exercise? I alluded to it just a moment ago, but everybody look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Oh, let's look in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I'm going to read this again. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you to engage with me here a minute. I want you to just uh, get involved here and, and, and let's sit up on the edge of our seat and let's realize I'm reading the word of God that has, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and has the capacity to divide between soul and spirit, joints and marrow and change my life. How many of you need some changes in your life? Amen. So as I read the word of God, if you hear anything you think is relatively good, healthy and holy and right for you, I want you to say amen or woohoo or golly or a shazam, whatever. But I want you to engage your, right now as I read this again, because this is the exercise that we've got to get involved in. Here's what it says. I'm going to start over in verse four, but God who is rich in mercy. Uh, okay. All right. I knew that because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together. I said he raised us up together. Somebody give me an organ music or something. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Woo! I'm talking about coming out of the basement digging holes to a whole new level of living. Amen. I feel better now. I'm having a good Father's Day. It's the exercise of sitting. Finding our place in Christ, seated with Him in heavenly places. Now, here's a very important thought. You ready? It's important to stay seated. How many of you know that's a good rule on any level? Airplane, you ever been in an airplane? And you get up, move around after the ding dong. But then any turbulence, ding dong. You return to your seat, everybody buckle up. It's important to stay seated. That's the way it is in our walk with God. We get seated, we begin to realize, we know some things, we work it out, the exercise of knowing, and we realize, my goodness, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I got the victor living in me. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and above every name that is named. Man, I'm a king's kid, glory to God, hallelujah. You get that going on on the inside, then stay seated there. Don't wander off. But the issue is that many times, even if we find the revelation, there are things and influences in our life that, that seem to unseat us in our position seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I'm going to give you one thought today, and then I'm going to help you be able to remain seated. Everybody say remain seated. Here we go. Here's a thought. It's our past position that many times endeavors to unseat us from our hopefully fixed position in Christ. How many, how many of you know your past can be an evil taskmaster? And you know what Paul said about his past? Even the good things? He said, it's in the 
<laughs> it's in rocket science. It's in the past. In fact, he said, and, and this is a conscious effort on his part in Philippians. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Everybody say forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. But the issue is many times we let the past rob us and unseat us from our place that Christ has for us seated with him in heavenly places. Let me give you three thoughts today that I see in the book of Ephesians. The, the first part of our past that many times come back and endeavors to unseat us is our helpless position. Everybody say helpless. Let me show this to you in Ephesians 2. Let you know what I'm talking about. Ephesians 2, what does it say in verse 1 and 2? And you he made alive who were what? Dead. This is where you were. This is your past. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you all once conducted, see he's talking about our past, you once conducted our, uh, we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That was all of our past. We were natural born sinners, and we were helpless in our sins. And how many of you know that's why Jesus came? Because we couldn't fix our sin. We're helpless. Look at your neighbor and say, you're just helpless. Hey, without Christ, we're all helpless. But how many of you know that lifestyle, after we start serving God, tries to come back and, and somehow we try to, hey, you know what Paul said? You're dead to it. But if you don't know you're dead to it, it'll speak. How many of you know dead things sometimes speak? And they come back and they haunt us. And they and, and our old life, the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our flesh, many times try to come back and unseat us from our rightful position, fixed with Christ in heavenly places. Am I the only one that's ever had a battle with the past? And so without Christ, our, our position prior to him, we were helpless. You couldn't help it. It was your nature. And not only did, did does your does your past come and 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 uh, try to unseat you through your past helpless position, but here's number two: your hapless position. Everyone say hapless. Hapless means just unfortunate. Now I've already alluded to the fact that we were not, and growing up, I was not the most fortunate kid on the block. Now I look back and I go, oh, I was very fortunate. I have memories of my early years out in the country in Rocket, Texas. You'll have to Google that. Where in the world is Rocket, Texas? I'm telling you, it was not at the Space Center. I can guarantee you it was in the country podunk. You could, I mean, we loved it in Rocket, Texas. We were poor as dirt. Man, we had cats and dogs and chickens and it was just out in the country. And it was, it was, it was, you know, we were unfortunate. I already told you the preacher had to bring us groceries. It's just unfortunate. And all of us have issues of our life and our past that, hey, we're just, hey, I, I just drew the short stick. <laughs> it's just unfortunate. The circumstances of my life. And whether you grew up 
you know, I'm not talking about money really. Okay? It's just a good illustration. How many of you know you can live in a, in a, you know, a king, you sleep in a king size bed and live in a big old house and you still can't sleep at night. I'm telling you, you're unfortunate in certain ways. How many of you know all of us are unfortunate in certain ways? Some, we're thinking about Father's Day. Some of you never had a good father figure in your life. That's just the circumstance. You can't help it. It's just the way it was. You're just unfortunate in that fact. But let me tell you something. You can't let your misfortune and the hapless circumstances of your life rob you from your place in Christ. Now, that's good preaching right there. And let me tell you what most people do. They go, well, I, 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 I can't do it just because, you know, my daddy this and all this and I just, unfortunately, I don't have it. I can't do that. I just, oh my God, just, uh, come on. Yeah, I, I, old Pastor Sam and say, get off that stuff and don't let the unfortunate circumstances of your past keep you from the destiny of God for your life. My Lord, everybody ought to take that home and chew on it a little bit. Whoo. Look at your neighbor and say, get up and get over it. It's Father's Day for goodness sake. Look, Ephesians 2.11. Look what he says to these Gentiles. And let me tell you something. If you were a Gentile back in these days, it was unfortunate. Because a Jew, you're hopeless. You're helpless. You're a, you're a Gentile. Only the Jews going to get the blessings of God. But how many of you know the tide, but hey, the, everything changed and all of a sudden the gospel was made manifest and the blessings of God were opened up to the Gentiles. Everybody that wasn't a Jew. Look what he says. Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh. In other words, you were low class to a Jew who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made by flesh, made in the flesh by hands. That in the time that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. You know what he said? You were just unfortunate. You can't help it. You were born into the Gentile, but God who is rich in mercy. Now, he, for every unfortunate circumstance of your life, I didn't think I was going to jump on this so hard, but every unfortunate circumstance in your life, Jesus is bigger than your past. I think everybody can relate to that. But listen, our helpless scenario of a who we are without him comes and tries to unseat us from our rightful place in Christ and the hapless, unfortunate circumstances of our life try to rule and reign, a, reign over us because, you know, it, it's kind of like, how many of you, anybody ever had people just say, you'll never be worried, you, ne you can't do that, you just, you know, and just keep you thinking you can't do it because of the circumstances of your life. Wow. All of us have had that. Here's the third thought from Ephesians that, that our past seems to throw at us, to unseat us. It's our hopeless position. Look in Ephesians 2.12. He said this after he said, you were strangers from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where we all were before Christ. Listen, the hopeless scenario, you know, we've got, we've got epidemics in our world. One epidemic is, is suicide. People just lose, just saying, hey, there's no hope. And, and on all of us, without him, we have no hope. But let me tell you something. Some people are bent towards being hopeless. Some people, the circumstances come your way and all of a sudden it's just, oh, it's just hopeless. Oh, it's just hopeless. You know, who's, you know, what's trying to unseat you, your past. 
Hey, you're here today. There's hope. Look at your neighbor. There's hope. You made it here today. There's hope. You're, hey, you, you, everybody take a deep breath. Come on, everybody take a deep breath. There's hope for you. You're breathing, bless God. If you're not breathing right now, raise your hand. We need to pray for you in a hurry. Everybody's breathing. But listen, our, our past helplessness of, of being without Christ and natural born sinners and the past hapless circumstances of our unfortunate circumstances of our life and the hopeless scenario that we are all born in because we're, because we are separated from God. Those things try to come and undermine and unseat us from our new position as seated with Christ in heavenly places far above. Somebody said, you know, you've heard this statement. How are you doing? Well, I guess I'm okay under the circumstances. You ever said that? Well, I guess I'm okay under the circumstances. Well, my question to you has always been, what are you doing there? Because my Bible says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. If that's the mindset of your life, you've let the helpless past or your hapless past or your hopeless past try to undermine and unseat you from your position in Christ Jesus. And so we got to work it out. Everybody say work it out. We got to, we got to get the exercise of sitting going on and, and, and remain seated. Everyone say remain seated for the duration of the flight. Remain seated. And that's what you've got to understand about your position in Christ. Now, let me throw this big idea at you. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Come on, everybody say, what's the big idea? Here it is. Read it with me together. This is the big idea. It, it, and it's a play on words. Here we go. Everybody out loud and proud. If we're going to remain seated, firmly fixed in Christ in heavenly places, we're going to have to learn to take our stand against the undermining influence of our past position. Read it again. Cause this is the big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Come on. Some of you are just refusing to enjoy yourself. Cup your hands. Come on, everybody. They're saying, what's the big idea? And if, no, and if, you have, if you're next to somebody who didn't do that, just look at them with this kind of, just say, would you loosen up a little bit? And look at them and say, what's the big idea? Let's read it out loud. Everybody, come on. I need your help. Loud and proud. Here we go. If we're going to remain seated... Firmly fixed in Christ in heavenly places, we're going to have to learn to take our stand against the undermining influence of our past position. So here's the play on words. If you're going to remain seated, you got to take a stand. You got, if you're going to stay and say fix in Christ, you got to stand up against some things that are trying to undermine you from being seated in, in your rightful place in heavenly places. Amen. Everybody go. Now, that was good. Here we go. I'm going to give you four thoughts from Ephesians because we're working it out in the book of Ephesians. How, what am I going to have to do? I got to take my stand against the undermining influence. In other words, and, and here we go. I'm going to do it from a positive side. It's not take your stand against. It's standing up for. Everybody say, I'm standing up for. You see, the best way to take your stand against is to stand up for. Amen. If you're against let me just throw, if you're against abortion, anybody, anybody here against abortion? Right, you know, the best way to, to, to resist, take a stand for, for being pro-life. 
not out just fighting all the enemies, but I'm standing up for what I believe is right. Okay, so that's the thought here. So here's what's the big, everybody say, what's the big idea? The big idea, let me just say it again. If we're going to remain seated, firmly fixed in Christ in heavenly places, we're going to have to learn to take our stand against our, the undermining influence of our past position. And so here we go. We've got to remain standing. Everyone say, now remain standing. Some of you are already saying, I'm getting confused. You're telling me to be seated. Now I've got to remain standing. You said remain seated, remain standing. I'm so confused. Come on, you're going to have to catch on here and wake up. This is not rocket science, all right? We're talking about being seated in heavenly places. You're going to have to remain standing in some positive uh, circumstances of your life. And here it is. Number one, I must remain standing in the midst of my forgiveness. Oh, this is one of the first things he wants us to know in Ephesians chapter 1. Look over in verse 7. In him, everyone say in him. See, there's that position where in him we have redemption through his blood. Y'all forgot that amen. I like that part. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I'm telling you today, there's no sin, no circumstance, no darkness that God's blood is not big enough to wash white as snow. And some of us were stink pots. We were, we were, and in fact, what did he say? We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Whew. Most of you know that I have a lake house and I rent it out from time to time quite often and uh, has become a pretty good little part-time business for me. But sometimes the renters just don't get it. And you would think some of these guys were shocked. I, I pulled up to my house one day and I have a, one of those green dumpsters out front, very specific guidelines on what you put in. And I assume things you knew you're not supposed to put in. I got within a hundred yards of the house and I smelled dead fish. And I, it was stinky. And I text that brother up. I said, why on God's green earth did you think it was a good thing to put fish guts in the dumpster? That old man in me was coming out again. That past. My hopeless position was beginning to rule and reign in my life. But let me tell you something. It's stinky. And our past, God forgave it. There's no residue. Could I get a better amen? There's no, hey, his blood. I mean, I took that dumpster. I had to, I, I, I got my hazmat suit on. You could have said, I mean, I'm just, I carried that down to the burn pile area down there. Some of you've been there, you know, there's a, there's a, and I dumped that. Oh, I dumped it out and I, I did things against all rules. I put a gallon of gas on that. I said, if I fry here, it'll be okay. This stuff's going down. And I cleaned and I scrubbed and I burnt and I, it took me all day. I'm telling you, and there was still, how many of you know, it's hard to get the smell of fish. But Jesus' blood washed us white as snow. And listen, we got to remain standing in our forgiveness. We have been forgiven. People tend to forget that. 
And the past comes haunting us. In fact, Peter, I don't have time to go teach you out of First Peter, or pardon me, Second Peter chapter 1, but he's talking about all this character and nature of Christ that we add to our life. It's a good, it's a good multi, uh, uh, mathematics type scripture. Add to your faith this, add to your faith that. And it says if you don't know these things and if you haven't walked in these things, you have forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. Peter was saying one of the issues with our spiritual growth and strength is that we forget that we have been forgiven. Somebody say, I'm forgiven. Man, when you start, you got to walk in that. I'm forgiven. Hey, I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I've been washed in the blood. Amen. I've been born again. I am his child. I'm a forgiver. I'm forgiven. And I am a forgiver. Look what he said in Ephesians 2.13. He said this, but now in Christ... Jesus, who brought, who, who once, you were once afar off, has brought you near by the blood of Jesus. Who I was far off, but his blood washed me. Now I can come into his presence because I'm clean. Everybody say, I'm forgiven. Hey, if you're going to take your stand against the influences of the past that are trying to unseat you from your present position, you gotta, you gotta take your stand against that by standing in the forgiveness of God for your life. Everybody say, I'm forgiven. Whew. You can begin to stand in that. In the forgiveness of God for your life. His blood was, was enough for you. His blood has the capacity to wash you white as snow. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. We take our stand in our forgiveness. Number two, we must remain standing in our future. We have a future in Christ. Look what he says in Ephesians 1.11. He says, in him, uh-oh, there's our position again. Hey, go back to, ver- uh, to uh, what did it say in verse 7? In him we have redemption. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. That's talking about your future. We have an inheritance as king's kids. You know, hey, I I hope I'll be able to leave an inheritance for my kids. You know, you ever seen the bumper sticker, I'm out spending my kids' inheritance? That's kind of me. I don't think my kids would fight over much. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think they would. But I want to give them an inheritance. How many of you know we have an inheritance in Christ? Let me show it to you today just for a moment. We have an inheritance of righteousness. This is of being right related to God, but being right with God to be. Look what he said in verse, oh, where is it? Verse four, just as he chose us, uh uh-oh, in him. Somebody say in him. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, that's our, that's our inheritance to be like him and to, and to, to be holy and without blame before him in love. We're not there yet. Look at your neighbor and say, bless your heart. You're just not quite there yet, but that's our, that's our inheritance. And the Bible tells me, listen, the Bible tells me that when I see him, I'll be just like him for I'll see him just as he is. When I finally meet him, our future inheritance is to be totally right with him and totally righteous and be like Christ. That's our, you got to take your stand in your future. That's where I'm headed. I'm in this world now, but I'm being in the process of being sanctified. But my future is I'm going to be able to stand before him holy and without blame before him in love. Not only an inheritance of righteousness, but we have an inheritance in our future of perfect relationship with Christ. Everybody say relationship with Christ. Look what he, look at the prayer Paul prayed for us in Ephesians 3. Oh gosh, down in verse 18. 
that we may be able to comprehend what is with all the saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. We're talking about perfect relationship with Christ. Perfect relationship. That's our future. We'll know him. Paul said one day, I'll know him as he knows me. He said, that's my desire, to know him like he knows me. And oh, does he know us. Amen. Not only relationship with Christ, but relationship with one another in this life. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We've got a family. We need to p- realize that. Our future, listen, if, if you're kind of on the edges, your future is plugging into the family of God, getting involved in the body of Christ. When you work it out in the book of Ephesians, I said, when you work it out in the book of Ephesians, you need to take your little highlighter and, and, and highlight all the places where it says, we, us, and just say, Mike, and you know what he, what you'll see? He's not talking about you as a little lone ranger in the kingdom of God. He's talking about the family of God. We, us, it's about us. It's about the family of God. We have relationship with one another. That is our inheritance. He said in Ephesians 1, 5 or 6 somewhere, he says he made you accepted among the beloved. You got a family. You're a member of the family of God. You're a member of the body of Christ. That's relationship. Somebody say amen. Our inheritance of righteousness, relationship, and an inheritance of riches. Now we're talking. Somebody say riches. Oh, we got one of them prosperity preachers. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I've been poor, and I don't think it's necessarily God's will for any of his kids to go without. My Bible says he'll, he'll feed you. He'll take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added unto you. I'm not a, necessarily a prosperity preacher, but I'm certainly not a poverty preacher. Amen. He wants to bless me, but I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about the riches of his grace. Look what he said in verse, oh gosh, down in verse two, chapter two, verse seven. It says that in the ages to come, see, that's our future. He might show to us, and this is like, this is like progressive revelation. He might show to us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, his unmerited favor wants to be personified and magnified and multiplied in your life and any other kind of fight you can think of. His grace, his, his the riches of his grace, his unmerited favor, he wants to m- multiply it in your life in the days to come. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, you've got to remain standing in the forgiveness of God. You've got to remain standing. Now, if you don't mind being unseated from your fixed position, you can just forget about this. But if something in you says, I'm, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more, I'm going to take my stand against the, 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 the ruthless nature of my past and I'm going to find my new position seated with Christ in heavenly places. Therefore, I'm standing up in, in, and remaining standing in my forgiveness, remain standing in my future. Number three, I'm going to remain standing in my faith. God's given us all a measure of faith. And that's what uh, Paul in Ephesians, he reminds us of Ephesians 1 15. He says, when I saw and heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints. Let, let me tell you, those are two important ingredients. When I, when I heard of your faith, that's when I started praying for you. Look what he says in chapter two, verse eight. He says this, he says, for by grace, you have been saved through what? Faith. 
And that's not of yourselves. It was what? It's a gift of God. He gave us a gift of faith. We didn't earn it. You can earn your way to heaven. And so how many of you know we, we are to walk by and not by? This is the way we live it out. This is the way we work it out by faith. It's a walk of faith. If, hey, if life was so grand for you, you wouldn't need faith. If everything was hunky dory, everybody say hunky dory. Man, you know, you, you, you meet most anybody in the world. How's it going? Oh man, it's going great. And, and, and you know, it's not. A lot of liars in this land. But listen. We walk by faith. We work it out by faith. We were born again by faith and we walk it out by faith. We live by faith and not by sight. In fact, first John chapter five, verse four says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We've got to take a stand in our faith. No matter what the certain, no matter what our past tells us. No matter what our hapless, unfortunate circumstances of our past try to bring up to us. No, I'm living by faith. I'm not looking back. I'm pressing forward. I'm, not, I'm forgetting those things. And I'm moving forward into the destiny of God for my life. I'm remaining standing in the forgiveness of God. I'm remaining standing in my future as a king's kid in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places and operating in, under the banner of my inheritance in Christ. And I'm walking in and underneath and standing firm in my faith that he He's given me. I was born again by faith. I walk by faith. I live by faith and I will die by faith. I'm living by faith and not by what I see on the outside. I'm standing up in my faith. And then finally, we've got to remain standing according to the book of Ephesians. Everybody said we're working it out. We've got to remain standing in the finished work of Christ. Everybody say it is finished. Now, a lot of people miss this, and, and our helpless position of our past and the hapless position of our past and the hopeless circumstances of our past come and try to unseat us because we don't know that everything we need has been taken care of at the cross. Everything. Everything. Somebody say everything. Now, anybody remember when Jesus was hanging between heaven and earth? His famous last words. You can talk out loud. It's okay. It is finished. Everybody say it is finished. On the cross, he said, it is finished. Now, Ephesians 2, verse 14, For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He's talking between Jews and Greeks. Having abolished in His flesh the enmity. In other words, on the cross. That's what He's speaking of, what happened on the cross. Having abolished in His flesh. Everybody say abolished. Now, I'm telling you, that's a good word if you're, if you're in a mess. And Jesus comes and abolishes some things in your behalf, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that, that is the law of commandments created in ordinance so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in his body through the cross. Somebody say through the cross. 
Therefore, putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and those who are near, uh, near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The reference there is what he did on the cross. He paved the way so we could be right with him. It is finished. Everyone say, it is finished. Say it again, it is finished. And we've got to stay standing in the finished work of what the cross has provided for us. Listen, for Jesus... The cross was his finish line. After that, it was all up to the Father. Whether he lived or died, he he said, it is finished. Everyone say, it is finished. Now, the cross was his finish line, but it's our starting blocks. When he said it is finished, it was really our starting box. That's where it all begins within us. When we realize what he finished on Calvary's cross, he took care of every circumstance, every situation, every obstacle, every problem, every, every roadblock for you to be right with God at the cross. Oh, I wish I had time to sing hymns at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. For the burden of my heart rolled away. I, it was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. The shed blood of Jesus was given for the payment for our sin to pay a debt we could not pay. Our debt, now catch this. Let me throw this at you and we're finished. The word finished, when he said it is finished, there's a multifaceted understanding of that word but a big part of it means this stamped paid in full everybody say paid in full Jesus when he said it is finished he said paid for boy have you ever actually paid for something in this life I'll never forget when I paid for my first car we actually paid for some houses and you get the paper back there's a big red stamp I don't know if they do it anymore Paid in full. Everybody say paid in full. At the cross, the finished work, it's paid for. You've got to stand firm in the forgiveness of God for your life and your, fu- your future. You've got to stand firm in your faith and in the finished work of Christ to be able to remain seated in heavenly places in Christ. Let's Stand together. Now let me just say this as we close. It's 12.01. I'm confident in what I just shared with you that if you will chow down on this truth, it will change your life forever. But you've got to work it out. You got to exercise yourself towards God. I'm exercising my position seated with Christ in heavenly places. How am I doing that? By standing firm in the forgiveness of God for my life, by standing firm in my future, by standing firm in my faith, and by standing firm in the finished work of Christ. I resist my hapless past, my helpless and hopeless past that has tried to come back and unseat me from my place seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm going to pray for you today and we're going to go. It's Father's Day. 
And I'm going to pray that every one of you, and let me just say, as I get older, I realize that my responsibility as a father figure for you is more important than ever. And let me just throw this out to you today. I love every one of you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you said. I realize the love of a father as I have experienced the love of a father in this life and the love of my heavenly father. In fact, I've shared with you in the past how God came and fixed some daddy issues in my life in the last few years. I had some insecurities in my life as a pastor because of the fact that I had some missing links in my life. And in reality, because I had some missing links, some of you lacking some things. Some of you may be a little crippled, I don't know. But hey, I'm getting healed in my heart. I'm not letting the hapless circumstances of my past keep me from who I am in Christ. Father, I thank you for each one that is here today. And Lord, I just pray for them. And I pray, God, you would help them take their stand in the forgiveness of God for their life and in their faith-filled future and in the faith of God over their life in the finished work of Christ. And Lord, I pray for those who may be under the gun of the helpless, hopeless, hapless positions of their past. I pray they would break loose from that right now in Jesus' name. In fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, listen, I'm not here to embarrass anybody, but I am here to do the Lord's work. If you're here and something on the inside of you battles with a hopelessness in your life, that even though a lot of times things are going good for you, it just seems like hopelessness tries to overwhelm you. If that's you, hey, just lift your hand for just a second. And let me let me see. I see it. I see that hand. Who else? I see it. Who else? Lift your hand. You can put it back down. I see a few hands here. Some of you feel like if the you have the bad case of the if onlys, and you look at your life and say, "Well, if only this were different," and you and you look at life through the lens of the circumstances of your life, and through the unfortunate situation, you will just because I and, and the unfortunate past keeps you from. God's blessings for your future. If many of you feel trapped in the unfortunate circumstances of your life, I want you to do me a favor. No one's looking around. Lift your hand. I want to pray for you. It's liberation time. I see those hands. I see them. I see them. God wants to break that off of you. Hey, you can put your hands back down. Now, under, now everybody look up. I, I'm going I'm to speak a blessing. Over. Those things are trying to keep you unseated from who you are in Christ. You can't, you just can't. It's time to break loose and take your stand against those things by standing firm in the forgiveness of God for you. See, this is a life lesson that will change your life. You cannot let the hapless, helpless, hopeless scenario of your past unseat you from who you are in Christ. Everyone lift your hands to God. I mean everybody. Come on. Father, today I speak over this sanctuary and over this congregation a breakthrough from the unfortunate circumstances of their past, from the helpless situation of sin 
and sorrow and death from the hopeless scenario that we had before we gave our lives to Christ. I break the power of that off of every heart, off of every life, every young person, every teenager, every man, woman, and child. Lord, I speak over them a breakthrough today that, Lord God, we're not looking back. And Lord, as Paul prayed and he declared, I'm pressing forward. I thank you for a breakthrough and a break free from the past and a pressing forward into the destiny of God for every heart, every life, every person here today. In the name of the Lord, I speak it over them in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And I want everybody to give him some glory here. We'll go home. Come on, let's give him some glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.